Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome to Franchise Players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Your home for triad sports and triad sports coverage. Make sure later on tonight you come back to Tobacco Road Sports Radio and check out the high school football coverage we got going on. Two big games here in the triad over on WCOG. You've got Grimsley and Ragsdale. Uh, Ryan Stone and JP Mundy will be on the call for that kickoff at 7.30, pregame at 7. Over on WTOB, myself and Coach Resignalo from the Carolina Cobras will have Davey visiting Mount Tabor, uh, a huge game with Central Piedmont Conference implications at the top there. That's a 7 p.m. kickoff over uh, at Bob Sapp Field. Uh, we'll catch you over there. With me today on the panel, Hot Rod Funderburg and from WFMY-TV, Jalen uh, Gilkey. What's going on, fellas? What's up? What's up, fellas? Another new, another week, and I'm just super happy to be here with you guys. You know, hey, it's football season. Everything is lovely during football season. Love it. Let's let's get into it. it. You guys are going to be on twice uh, over the course of the day. We're going to start off with some of the bigger news that happened over this past week, and that was uh, the curious case of uh, Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars (laughs) uh, (laughs) head coach, who got in a little bit of hot water uh, due to. Um, a situation. Let me just f- frame this for those that don't know at this point, because this happened at the beginning of the week. Uh, Urban Meyer owns a bar up in Ohio. And apparently since the Jaguars played on Thursday night, he sent the team home and stayed behind. Uh, when he stayed behind, he was filmed in his bar uh, with a, a younger woman basically grinding on him. Uh, Urban Meyer is a married man. Not basically. And- yeah, not basically, because more more shots came out after the initial uh, screenshots, and uh, and uh, basically Urban was he was mining for gold pretty much. Um, so that's not really <laughs> something that the head coach for a professional football team should be doing. Um, I, do you think Urban Meyer can make it through the rest of the season? Because there are some warning signs that suggest he will not make it through the rest of the season. Uh, really urban himself we've seen this before where he's claimed he's not going anywhere nothing's going to happen everything's fine and then two weeks later he's got you know migraines or some sort of health issue and because of it uh he's able to step down what 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 are your initial thoughts about uh (laughs) mr urban meyer here in uh jacksonville let's start off with you rod well my initial thoughts number one is after this has happened, I don't think the players really want Urban. Um, I'm not sure if the fans want Urban. I think the only pe- matter of fact, I don't even know if Urban wants Urban. I think the only people who probably want Urban right now is management, the ownership of the Jaguars, because they're the only ones who came out in support of him. But there are a couple of ways you can look at this thing. I mean, morally, what Urban Meyer did was absolutely wrong. But that's something that he his wife, his family, they have to deal with. From a football standpoint, Urban Meyer messed up from the beginning because he's 0-4. That's the big deal. If Urban Meyer was 4-0, this thing would blow over. It wouldn't be a big deal at all. We'd be talking about something else right now. But the Jaguars are 0-4, and the way Urban Meyer conducted his business was an issue. First of all, When you just lose a football game in Ohio, I don't care if you're from Ohio, you did big things at Ohio State, you own a bar up there, whatever. You get your butt on the plane with the team. Right. And you come and you come back with the team and you try and figure out what is going on as to the reason that we're the only team in the league that is 0-4. That's number one. You guys go on ahead. I'm going to catch up to y'all a little later on. Uh, I got some stuff about to attend to. <laughs> right. That's number one. You get your butt on the plane with the team 
And all y'all go back and try and figure out what is going on. And then on top of that, you come back, you have a little news media conference. You have your head sagging low, looking like a wet dog with his tail between his legs. So what kind of credibility do you have? You think I want to follow somebody who's looking like that? Because you know what? If you look like that in front of the media, then guess what? You look that same way in front of your players, in front of mm -hmm. your coaching staff, in front of your position leaders, whoever you went to go back and talk to concerning this issue. You look the same way. How am I going to follow somebody who's looking like that? I'd rather you look me in the eye and tell me, look, I screwed up, but this has nothing to do with football. This has to do with my wife. I screwed up with them. We're going to continue to play football. We're going to fix whatever is going on. Now, my problem with Urban Meyer is his antics off the field. Is that the reason that they're 0-4? Is that the real reason or not? Because if his antics off the field are the reason that he's 0-4, then we got a big issue with him off the field. But if, it, if his antics off the field have nothing to do with 0-4, then we actually even got a bigger issue because he's supposed to be the football man. And I was talking to one of the coaches with you, Des, one of the high school coaches earlier in the week. And he said, and I don't know if this is true, but this football coach, and you heard him say, Urban Meyer says, this is like in the NFL, it's like playing Alabama every week. Well, yeah, he no did say crap, that. Sherlock. Yeah, he and, did and he that. said that after he said that before uh, the third preseason game, I do yeah. believe so. <laughs> yeah, this was back. Matter of fact, matter of fact, that was he said that to Vic Fangio before the first game of the season, mm. which means they've only played three preseason games. <laughs> and he was getting mad losing preseason games, like he couldn't control his emotions with that. Um, All right, fellas, let me jump in here real quick. Yeah, go, go ahead, Jalen. I'm gonna run down a list after you of things that have happened since Urban Meyer was hired by the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Go for you it. You know, that's what's kind of something I was gonna touch on. Just you know, we had all the scandals and all the craziness going on with the players at Florida that he was trying to cover up. Then, of course, he retired. Oh, from, you went further. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, you he retired. <laughs> then he retired for health reasons. He comes back a couple years later at Ohio State. Got this scandal with the assistant coach lying, saying he didn't know about this domestic violence situation between the coach, the assistant coach and his wife, trying to cover that up as well. Once he gets found out, oh, now he's got health conditions again. Time mm -hmm. to retire. Now it's this. It's just like, Urban Man, what are you doing? I From the beginning, I didn't believe in this hire because I, he, he's never shown me that he was a good decision maker in a position of power. Um, and this just furthers my point. Like I said, I, I haven't heard anybody that, you know, played the game, that coach. Everyone spoke out on this, and no one's ever said they've never heard the head coach not flying back on the plane with the team. I mean, that's ridiculous. Imagine if something would have happened on that plane. God forbid, right? Mm -hmm. The plane goes down, and everybody's gone from the whole franchise except for the head coach, Urban Meyer. How does that look? He stayed behind. Are you it's serious? Just, like, it's, uh, it's an it's a unbelievable situation. Not only are you in there doing nasty with – some little girl was I'm not gonna say little girl, but I mean some, she from good. someone that was at least half his age. <laughs> yeah. She looked closer know, to she looked closer to my age than to his age. I tell you oh, that. Yeah. You, you know, like the, the the thing that's going around, he's sitting on a bar stool, uh facing away from the bar. The girl's like grinding on him, uh facing away from him. Uh I found out today, do you know what, what's in front of them? Like what they were like what was in like right in front of them from where they were sitting? A mural of Urban Meyer and his wife. So I'm gonna tell you this. Check this out, right? Uh, wow. Apparently, apparently that whole little strip he owns three establishments there. It's the Whiskey House, Urban Meyer's Whiskey House, uh, Urban Meyer's Brew House, and Urban Meyer's Chop House. Apparently, they ate dinner at the Chop House. Some people saw him, and what do you say? People were trying to uh, to want to take some pictures, and somebody wanted to get uh, one to come out on the dance floor and do silly stuff. That's that. That's what he basically said. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of. It's ludicrous to me at this point because it's just like you're you're the face of the franchise. You're hired by a billionaire, a multi-billionaire to represent his organization. You're the I would say the number two face behind Trevor Lawrence. Let me. Um, so so it's, just, it's just unbelievable that someone could be so irresponsible. And then if, did we notice Did we not forget we're still in a pandemic and there's COVID protocols, and there was not a mask in sight in that video. So That's imagine, imagine too. if he comes up positive, and now they got a oh. breakout because if he comes he's up out positive, here, they got they got to let him go. They got a breakout because he's out here dirty dancing <laughs> in Urban's whiskey house. That's unbelievable. Let me. I want to run through a list of things that Urban Meyer has had <laughs> uh, happen since he took over as 
president or uh, coach. I think he's the GM too, coach and GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you, some of these you might have forgot. Uh, it's kind of like that Trump syndrome where it's like he was doing so much stuff. You couldn't keep track of all of it. So like somebody would remind you. Remember when he did this in 20, yeah. 2018? Oh, completely forgot that he even did that. Um, so starting off, he hired Chris Doyle as the team's director of sports performance. Doyle was accused of making racist comments and belittling players during his time at Iowa. After heavy backlash, Doyle resigned from the Jaguars. That was the first thing. First step. Then he signed Tim Tebow to play tight end, a position that Tebow had never played before in his life. Tebow was 34 years old. So I don't know how the team took that. Tebow drafted- didn't even try to play tight end out there. He no, was shoulder nudging people. <laughs> he drafted a running back in the first round, despite already having James Robinson on the roster. He openly admitted that he was hoping to draft Kadarius Tony with the pick that they used on Travis Etienne. Uh, he told reporters that they cut players due to their vaccine status. The NFLPA did not like that. They opened an investigation to those comments. Cause I forgot about that one. Uh, he had an open competition for starting quarterback between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Minshew was traded a few weeks later, but he split valuable first team reps with Lawrence the entire training camp. I can respect that though. I can respect that. I'm, Lawrence is the franchise. He's the number one overall pick. If you I mean for you, you Gardner Minshew wasn't going to beat out Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> like what is what is happening? Like, and then and then you traded him off. Nah, so I don't. Like, I, I like there. I like everybody to earn their spot. That's just me though. He traded away last year's number nine overall pick, which we'll get to in a bit. That was C.J. Henderson, who they traded to the Panthers uh, last week. Uh, the team started zero four. And then he didn't travel with the team after their week four loss to Cincinnati. Viral videos and photos emerge of him with a woman other than his wife. I, I say all this because it's crazy because he's his name has emerged as a front runner for USC. And it's like now that's oh, dead. That's dead too. Oh, is that dead now too? Because I keep hearing him attached to USC. I've actually heard uh Miami as a potential spot. That might too. be a better fit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Down in Florida again. He already showed he could recruit in Florida. Miami's a dormant powerhouse, just like Florida was when he got there. Uh, I mean, that could work. I could see that if you wanted to go to Miami. Now, would Miami want Urban Meyer there? Probably, actually. Uh, what reason would Miami not want him there? I mean, it's Miami. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the stuff that Urban Meyer's doing, that's right up Miami's alley. Like they're like, exactly. come on, in. let's rebuild this and go get a, a seventh national title. But I don't think he's yeah, going to hang out with Luke and all the dancers. Here. Yeah. That's what you like. He said, we, we got plenty of them for you. Yeah, we got all that down here. Come on down here. Now, uh, now I can't remember the contract he signed with the Jaguars, um, but it feels it's like. It's five years. I'll tell you that. He ain't getting there. He ain't getting there. I don't know if he's going to get to the end of this year. I didn't think he, I didn't think he was going to make it to Sunday, fellas. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, I was actually surprised that the owner, uh, Shad Khan, was like, you know, He's learned his lesson. He's very sorry. Blah blah blah. But they have. He has, like I said, he has a five year deal, and I pretty. I'm pretty sure all of that money is fully guaranteed. So that's kind of why he had yeah. to he try kinda, to back, try to back him. Kind of why yeah. John Gruden is still coaching uh, in Las Vegas because he had a ten year deal, hundred million, I believe. All that's guaranteed. So uh, it was like week uh, no year five, I think, and they haven't been to the playoffs since he signed it. Although they're they're looking okay this year. But yeah, that's with coaches. There's no uh, unguaranteed money in them contracts. It's not like the players. They whatever they sign for is what they get. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. With with Urban Meyer and the franchise still backing him, uh, from a franchise point of view, Urban Meyer did some bad things, but he didn't do anything that was illegal, guys. He didn't. He did nothing he that didn't. was illegal. No, I didn't. mean, mo- you know, people have different moral views. You know, like. No, you know, some I'm people not even there. about morals. Yeah, it's really, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, and for me, I'm personally like, I don't even know if this is the worst thing we've seen Urban Meyer do. No, like, it's, not the, it's you know not the worst like, thing we've seen right. do. This it, is not it, the it, worst it, thing we've seen of a football coach. It's not the worst thing we've seen uh, anybody do. But at the end of the day, I feel sure. like... No, when the, you heard when you saw this and saw the video pop up on yeah, Twitter, I, 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 was shocked, I was shocked about the video. I'm not gonna lie because I was just like, "There's no way he's just this raunchy in the club." Like, <laughs> yeah, man, that right was, after, that's what right shocked me. The football game. <laughs> I was like, "No way, you're this raunchy in the club after an almost win." That's 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 a person thinking that is a boomer thinking that no one has a camera on them in 2021. And you're Urban Meyer. Like y'all want to know Urban, something else, fellas? Nobody knows what Urban Meyer looks like. You know why you know this I mean? is more ridiculous? Because the fact that 
the Jaguars just played a game on Thursday night, and it was the closest they had been in the game. They they led that game 56 out of the 60 minutes and, and then into overtime. And we have a heartbreaking loss. We almost get our first win of the year. year. Now we're sitting at 0-4 on a game we probably should have won, and now we got to deal with this. That's why I would have fired him, not about the morals, just because you're clearly not taking this serious. We're 0-4. We stink. You were hired to turn a laugh a laughing stock of a franchise around. And what did he do? He's done nothing but give people more reasons to laugh at him. So it's just kind of ridiculous at this point. If I was Shad Khan, I mean, I'd probably just bite that hundred and whatever million just because, you know, it's a, that's for me to say, you know, without I'm almost at negative a hundred and some million in my account. So I could just talk about, you know, what <laughs> other people could eat a hundred and something million. But still, it's are, they just, the, are the Jaguars the worst? I don't even say worse. Are they the worst situation in the NFL? No, Deshaun Watson's situation in Houston is worse. Mm, we see, it's that worse. Bobbing and weaving, it keeps coming in and out. A play that is that's the worst situation because your your franchise player is in a, a situation that is very unbecoming, and it's just like now our performance on the we, he can't even get on the field. You know, we can't win a game. We we out there, Davis Mills. I mean, that's the worst situation, in my opinion. He didn't look, he didn't look that bad against the Panthers a couple weeks ago as a rookie. Well, the Panthers, uh, you know, anyway, keep going, Des. It's fine. And the Panthers had the top-ranked defense at the time when he was playing against them. So, at the time, after, still top three after, now, play, after getting, after oh getting shelled God. by the Cowboys on Sunday, they're still in the top three on defense. So, I'm going I'm to beat my chest a little bit and puff it out there. And Zach uh, we Wilson. We're going we to talk about the Panthers in a little bit. We're going to we're going we're going to get to them. Um, I'm looking. I was looking around uh, the league to see uh, if, if there's another situation worse than what's going on in Jacksonville. I'd maybe nominate the Jets. They're one and three. Uh, they really they, have won. One they, they yeah, won. They won. But who did they beat? They beat. Uh, they beat, they beat the Titans in overtime. I don't understand what's going on with the Titans. Um, they stink too. Two. That whole they, comp- their that quarterback whole sucks. Division. That whole uh, AFC South division is weird. Houston, Indy, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. Uh, somebody gonna get it in for, with like a seven and ten record or something out of the AFC South. And then you Tennessee got the AFC West. I think I think Tennessee still win nine games. They should. I mean, compared to what the, the rest of the divisions a dumpster fire. Like when you really yeah. look at it, Indy doesn't have a quarterback. Houston, we talked about Houston, and then we just talked about Jacksonville and what's going on over there. Meanwhile, I'm looking at some of these other uh, divisions. What would you say is the toughest division right now? NFC West. NFC West? Gotta be. Let me go see. Because Arizona's 4-0. They're the only undefeated left. The Rams are 3-1. And and you got Seattle and San Francisco. Um, Yeah, yeah. I could put them up there. I would actually. uh, Or the AFC West. West. Maybe they they got three three 3-1 teams. And Kansas City is uh, the cellar dweller at 2-2 right now. Um, Yeah. And, and they you might can expect and anything could happen with Kansas City. I mean, they have their the playmakers. They just have to put it together. Yeah, the deep. Who is their defensive coordinator out there in Kansas City? Steve oh, Spagnola. Yeah, Spagnola's out there. But he's mm-hmm. been there for a couple of years. Remember, they were bad. They've always not been really good on defense ever since Mahomes became the starter. Uh, that's always kind of been like their their uh, their their bad spot of the team is the defense, and that could probably come back to bite them it goes along with my whole window thing that you know each championship team has a window about three four years really if you want to count it this is kansas city's fourth year in that window because the year one should have been uh the year they lost the brady and the patriots in the afc championship game because the dude went off sides right there at the end they should have won that game that would have been year one this is year four you're starting to see people get injured you're starting to see them having to shift out positions you're starting to see not enough money to go around. I mean, you just paid Pat Mahomes half a billion dollars. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to see if this is going to work out for them. Uh, but them and Tampa, Tampa's got some holes too. Um, they can't run the ball. Tampa cannot run the ball to save their lives. And they can't chuck it 55 times every single game. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, well, let's see what happens when they come to Carolina. Yeah, we're we going to see what happens when they come to Carolina. Matter yeah, fact, I bet. I'm gonna, have, back, I'm gonna have something for you. Don't worry about it. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some other things. Uh, we got Joe Serrero on the sh- on the show today. He's gonna talk high school football with us since it's High School Football Friday. Uh, Sam Dracula, host of the Believe in Pan- uh, excuse me, Believe in Hornets podcast, will be on with us to to talk about the biggest things he's looking forward to um, with the upcoming NBA season with the Charlotte Hornets. And these guys will be back in just a bit because we got some Carolina news we need to talk about. Uh, the Panthers super aggressive 
going after players. Uh, I saw that they Scott Fitter has made like 13 trades since he got here last year. That is more than the Panthers did in three years before he got here. They only had 11 trades total in the three years before he got here. He's done 13 trades just since he showed up uh, back in March or whenever it was when they hired him. So we're going to get into that too in just a bit. You're listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome back into Franchise Players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports and triad sports coverage. Desmond Johnson here with you, along with good friend of the program, Sam Dracula. You can find his work uh, regarding the, the Charlotte Hornets on YouTube, Twitter, all over the place. We'll give you some info on that in just a bit. Sam, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. How you doing? I'm I'm excited. I was telling uh, voice of the Hornets radio network, Sam Farber, last week on the show that, you know, this is the first time I can remember since maybe I was a kid back in the mid 90s where I've looked. So I've looked forward to a Hornets season opening as much as this one. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that uh, we can cover here. And I, what I wanted to do was basically it's called our biggest segment where every question I ask regarding the Hornets is going to have something to do with is this the biggest whatever uh it, it, for the franchise going forward. So let's just dive right into it. Sam, what do you think is the biggest storyline for this Hornets team entering this season? The biggest storyline I would say is it was la- like was the first half of last year a fluke. Cause that team, the way they're playing as just you know, playing winning basketball, playing exciting basketball, is that the team at its peak and can they get there again? I think that's the biggest storyline because we saw what injuries did to the team. And then when guys came back, uh, LaMelo included, they weren't really the same. So like with LaMelo, with Hayward, Malik left. But like with those guys that were gone for that second portion is like, what what is this team's real ceiling? You know, you know, it's crazy, too. And I'm glad you mentioned Malik Monk because I'm still trying to figure out how he ended up with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, yeah. The kid, well, he's like 23 or something like that. He was shooting 40% from three. Yeah. And uh, we we decided we weren't going to resign him. And he somehow ends up with the Lakers. And he's probably going to end up being their starting shooting guard. So, you mm-hmm. know, go figure. Um, <laughs> but shout out to Malik. He did his thing here. We wish him nothing but success. I agree, too. I, I think back to that. Probably about midway through that season last year, the Hornets were hovering around the fourth seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Gordon Hayward was still playing. I think they were 24 and 20 when Hayward played uh, last year. Uh, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I want to know if that was a fluke, if, pe- if people were just caught off guard by uh, the change of pace that the Hornets brought into play uh, with LaMelo, or if it's a sign of things to come. Uh, so we'll definitely see if that might be the case. Uh, doing a little Hornets preview here with Sam Dracula player with the biggest improvement from last year who would you put your money on Ooh, i think pj uh pj in year three i think has the most i think most opportunity to take a leap because this team needs shooting they've added a lot of defensive-minded players in Ubre, ishmith mason Plumley's definitely not a shooter and when you look at Devonte leaving malik leaving some someone has to step up and take those shots. Devonte was taking around nine, almost nine three point attempts per game, so those shots are up for grabs, right? And I think PJ is a very underrated shooter, and I'm looking forward to him getting more opportunity to shoot the ball from distance because in his first and second year, he's just under that forty percent mark, and I think with more volume and more opportunity, he'll get above that. And with that, I think it can really open up the floor, especially with Mason Plumley in the fold now, because he can occupy the paint, which will free up PJ to play more for. Um, so I, I would say PJ has the most opportunity to, um, and the biggest opportunity to show improvement um, on the roster thus far in his third year in the league. I was actually worried, well, not worried, but um, it almost felt like to me there's a kind of a logjam now at that power forward position between miles and PJ. Cause I guess yeah. naturally that's the natural spot for both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess you could make an argument at putting miles 
at small forward, but that's the same issue. Just be miles and Gordon Hayward. You know, it's like a, there's a log jam with the, those three forwards and trying to figure out what to do with them. I know they played some small ball last year where they had PJ at center mm-hmm. and miles at power forward. What, what do you think about the small ball lineups? Cause it does kind of feel like with some of the moves they made in the off season, that head coach James Borrego may tinker more with small ball type lineups, even though rebounding and, and rim protection was a huge issue with this uh, team last year. Yeah, so they can really they can they can really do like an all six seven lineup if they wanted to, you know, with Lamelo, <laughs> yeah. Ubre, Hayward, PJ, and Miles, and just really cause ma- like matchup issues for the other team if they like real selective with it if they want to go that route. Um, I don't mind it. It's just it's one like I like Mason Plumlee. I, lo- I love that acquisition. I, I look he's an upgrade over Zeller and Biz. Like the hands Mason Plumlee has is already a, a big plus plus his playmaking ability. But the center spot still remains a question. And I think PJ took strides in that, like playing in that role last year. And it's just going to have to be, again, just really in like selective situations where, where if we're playing like Embiid or um, like DeAndre Ayton or someone like that, I don't know if PJ has the size to match up with those guys. So it's going to be tough. But fortunately, we're not going to play, be playing those types of centers on a night in and night out basis, or even in the, within the same game, those guys won't be on the floor at the same time. So you can like, you can pick and choose. And I think PJ is a serviceable two way player in the front court. And I like to have any options, you know, after last year, I'm never going to complain about depth or having too many guys in the same position. Cause right. that was, that was the, that was the death sentence for last year's season, you know? Um, and it, 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 I think it's, it's an embarrassment of rich. It's in that perspective, you know? Um, and I'm I'm pretty happy with with it. And we kind of kind of kind of caught a glimpse, I guess, in the first preseason game of how those guys would be used with PJ coming off the bench with Ubre in that like midway point in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, Plumley comes off, Hayward comes off, and that kind of like gives you like an idea, I guess, how Brego's kind of thinking. I'm really interested in like as the preseason kind of goes on, how the rotation will will, will flow out. Yeah, I, I was interested in that, too, because, uh, you know, after watching Miles kind of break out the last 20 games of last year due to those injuries where they had no choice but to really start him mm-hmm. and for him to basically average 20 points per game and just kind of 40 percent from three too, yeah, yeah, I mean, he was balling out. He, he him and uh, LaMelo basically became mainstays on Sports Center's top 10. Yep. Um, now, granted, highlights don't win you basketball games, but they will get you national notoriety, which the mm-hmm. Hornets have lacked severely since the really since Grandma was walking around uh, <laughs> here in Charlotte with Zoe and, and Muggsy. Um, biggest surprise for the Hornets this year? It can come in terms of a player just you know showing out more than you thought they would, or maybe a player that doesn't you know fit you know round peg square hole type thing. Um, who, what do we think would be the biggest surprise coming off of this Hornets team this year? I think it'll be a book night. I think he'll be more ready than we expect him to be. Um, as a as a late lottery pick, I think the expectations should be kind of tempered. You know, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be relying on him as heavily as you'd like, or as you as you'd want as a fan. You're like, oh, we got this new guy. Let him play a bunch. Um, I think book night may be more NBA ready than people think, and I think you can credit Terry Rozier for that. Book night himself for that as well. Like, I love. I think I think Terry and uh, and Book Knight have the same like psychopath me- like makeup, <laughs> yeah. where and so those guys in practice going at it that that's like oh my god we have we, we may have two Terry Rogers on this team in Book Knight, um, and I think Book Knight can be a, a major contributor off the bench sooner than people expect, with his ability and confidence that he's exhibiting thus far. Um, I'm really I'm really big fan of him, and we need it too because like again going back to Malik's departure and Devontae's departure we need scoring. And um, I think Book Knight can bring that. The question mark with him is just like, can you run the can you run the half court? Because he's 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 not he's not undersized per se, but we need a guy at that position that can handle things um, when Ishmith or Lamelo is not available. There's not a lot of primary ball handlers on the roster, so the question is like, can Book Knight round that out? I have no doubts about his scoring ability, but I think he'll be more NBA ready than people think and be playing in more crucial moments than people think. Yeah, I think he's going to be a big surprise for uh, Hornets faithful in terms of what he is. I think a lot of Hornets fans simply don't know who he is. They never got a chance to really see him play in college. And uh, when that name was called out, a lot of people were like, who? Like, who is that? So, uh, But just from the first preseason game, he kind of got off a little bit uh, in terms of uh, getting some scoring in. And I've always heard a description, he's a scorer, not a shooter. So yep. uh, it kind of makes me think of someone's going to slash, get to the paint, 
create opportunities to kick it back out um, and and find waiting shooters. So we'll we'll see what the what Buknight can do uh, with his Hornets roster. Follow Sam on Twitter at Sam Dracula. He's also the host of the Believe and Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. That's updated uh, weekly. Uh, through believe mm-hmm. what's the biggest need for the Hornets roster as it stands right now um center like and a more offensive minded center a guy that can be an offensive threat and defend the position like they can do it by committee this year with Mason Plumley, but there's no floor spacing from that spot unless PJ's playing there where then you then you're get, like going back to what we talked about earlier with the matchup issues mm-hmm. a center that can stretch the floor would really 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 help things in the half court um Plumlee's playmaking helps a ton because just comparing last year to this year, when Zeller or Biz came out to the top of the key for a like one of those like for a handoff or a pick, whenever they had the ball at the top of the key, the defenders just let them like just give them all the space you need because they're not shooting it. If they do shoot it, statistically it's not going in, and they're just looking to hand the ball off again. Biz wouldn't turn around like his back was to the basket all the way to the top of the key, so a, a center that can force. The opposing team to make a like like burn a calorie or two on the defensive end and like make them think or like give a half second of hesitation would help everyone else out on the floor for the Hornets. So I don't know where that guy comes from. Maybe it comes from within. Maybe Kai Jones can be that guy. Maybe Vernon Carey can be that guy. It's not really Nick Richards thing. Um, he's, he needs to kind of stay in the paint. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe the Hornets will make any midseason trades unless there's some like catastrophic injury or something like that but i think that's the biggest area of improvement or need is uh that floor spacing center because we the hornets don't have it i'm really curious to see what happens at that position because all the uh, say for mason Plumley, mm-hmm. all the players we have at that position are all like under the age of what like 23 or yeah, something like yeah that. they're so, so young <laughs> uh now it looks like kai might actually get run with the main roster uh kai mm-hmm. jones uh, who was drafted, we traded back up into the first round to go get him uh, out of Texas. Uh, he's kind of described as a pogo stick, really, but uh, probably needs to gain a little bit more muscle before he's going to be effective. I expect him to get bounced back and forth between uh, the Greensboro Swarm and the Hornets just to get some run. I, I am curious about the development of Vernon Carey and uh, Nick Richards. I thought I saw that Nick Richards was uh, kind of opening some eyes uh, in some of these uh, preseason uh, runs or whatnot in terms of his development. Uh, I, it's, I keep forgetting that Carrie and Richards in particular didn't get a typical uh, preseason last year to get yep. vaccinated as pros and then had a kind of a shortened experience in the G League. Uh, they had a bubble in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, what normal circumstances wouldn't really be like a regular G League season. And, you know, Carrie was 19 at the time. He had one year at Duke. And Richards, I believe, was the same. I think he was 19, had like a year or two at Kentucky. Uh, so they didn't really have the proper uh, introduction into the NBA, which probably stunted their growth as players. So now, you know, another year has passed. Kerry got pulled up a little bit towards the end of the year and got some actual run in the league. I'm really curious about Kerry. Kerry's the one that I keep thinking about. If you, if you could figure out a way to put Kerry in this lineup and he's an effective, you know, 15 and 10 type guy, can protect the rim, uh, that's interesting to me because now you got to line up with like all these dudes from college that were like top guys really. And they're young and they're running the benches deep so you can keep running all night long. And I don't know, it's just exciting to kind of think about what it could be. Um, Plus with the Panthers right across town, I think they're, they're setting an example of you don't have to wait three to five years to build a contender. You know, if you know what you want and you've got the means to go and get it and you've got people in place in the front office that have an eye for talent, it doesn't take that long to build something more than what you were before. And I think the Hornets are on that same tip, too, because they were just as aggressive in the, uh, the draft as the Panthers were in the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. good to see both of those pro teams in Charlotte doing uh, what they're doing right now. This is kind of a tricky question because it's kind of changed over the years. But who do you think is the biggest rival for these current batch of Hornets? Oh, man. Um, it, so I think from a, like a team building point of view and just from an on-the-court point of view, it's the Hawks still. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Hawks, the Hornets, like that's, that's the pattern, right? Like that's the, that's the method. That's the meta that the Hornets should, should strive after a young team that added a bunch of veterans to lift it up 
to the next tier up, right? And they have a young star. The Hornets have a young star. Mm-hmm. They like the Hornets have they have John Collins. The Hornets have Miles Bridges. Like there's there's you can draw a line to these rosters, and it just it's a, it's a coincidence, I guess, that the so the cities are so close together. But I think that's the that should be what the Hornets are striving for because they're a fifth seed. You know, they went into um, the Knicks series, handled their business, and went on a great run from really not doing much the year before. Like, everyone on that team took a leap. And so if there's any hope for the Hornets to contend this year, what the Hawks did last year is the, is the pattern they should follow. And it just so happens that the rosters are really similar. And we could see um, – for the next five to 10 years, hopefully the, the longer the better, a really fun Trey Young, LaMelo Ball rivalry. Um, Ooh, yeah. I think that it has all the makings. Both have crazy followings. Both are super dynamic players and excellent players. And um, if I could script it out, that would be like this, like the, this part of the country's version of uh, Magic and, uh, and Bird. Like that, those guys that's going at it, had like one, one franchise guys, like, staying at their teams and just like galvanizing their respective cities against each other. Like it could be really cool. I, I never even thought about the comparison to Atlanta and their roster, the way it's been built. Cause Atlanta has a lot of young guys there too. Uh, Cam Reddish, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Deandre Hunter, Deandre Hunter. Uh, out of and, Virginia. Then, yeah. and then, yeah, they got a Congo. They, so like they add, they, so like the Hornets have probably equal parts, young guys and veteran guys for every young guy. There's a guy that's a veteran and to like round out their 10 man rotation, that Hawks team, you mentioned the young guys and they added, um, Bogdanovich, uh, they add, well, they had Rondo there for a little bit, Chris Dunn, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, Gallinari they traded for, I think, uh, they maybe signed him, but they committed to him. Uh, Capella's there. Like they, they, they did a good, they have a good balance there, you know? Um, and they, uh, they, there's really, they turned to something really magical. It's really funny too, because like Nate McMillan was like, "Yeah, I don't want this job. I yeah. want to be a head coach again." And then they're like, "No, nah, it's okay." And then he does it. They go on an eight-game win streak, whatever it was, and they get back into the playoffs. So it's mad. Um, so yeah, it, that's kind of if you're a Hornets fan, what the Hawks did last year is um, what you kind of hope to see this year or at some point, like that flip switching. Final question for Sam Dracula, host of the Believe in Hornets podcast um, on the Believe Podcast Network. Biggest reason to believe the Hornets can actually make the playoffs in 2021-22? Oh, uh, LaMelo Ball, man. Like, this kid, when he was, when he was healthy, and, like, and when he, when he, before the injury and he was getting the run, he was doing insane numbers uh, from an, a volume point of view and a efficiency point of view. And when his best asset is getting his, his teammates involved, right? If he is, if he's doing what he does best, it lifts everybody up. I have no questions about Terry, uh, Terry Rozier. I think he's going to be great again. I think Hayward's going to be healthy again. Um, I think we, I, I think we're going to, we're going to see Hayward play seventy plus games because I just think we're due for it. Yeah. But I, so like I, it, they're they're the I look at them as the constants. If Lamelo Ball is the pre-injury Lamelo Ball, it's going to lift everybody up, and I think this team enters that fifth, sixth seed conversation in the Easter conference. If we see like the LaMelo ball from the last 10 games of last year, post injury, then I don't think this team is going to be in that, in that mix. It's going to be more looking to like just trying to elbow in, trying to get a space in the playing game. There you go. Follow Sam on Twitter for the latest in Hornets news and notes. Uh, the believe have you started, you started new episodes of the believe in Hornets podcast, or is that about to begin again? Oh no, we yeah we're going strong. We haven't. Oh, cool. I've, I've been. I've, we haven't missed a week. So. I was going to ask you because I stop because uh, <laughs> I I do the uh, Believe in Panthers podcast and mm-hmm. we literally stop like right after the end of the season. Like I'm like you know what I'm I know the NFL goes year round, but I gotta take a break. I gotta step away <laughs> for just a bit. And uh, we stepped out and then came back. Uh, actually came about about a month or so before, well, right around the beginning of preseason. So our okay. season kind of runs from the beginning of preseason through and then we do like a draft special um uh, in the summer but uh i was curious about that to know for sure so absolutely each week you can go find a new episode of the believe in hornets podcast just search believe podcast on twitter or google believe podcast networks so you can get to all of it there it's on all the major uh podcast platforms spotify itunes google play uh wherever you may get your stuff from there uh always talk always good talking to you sam and we'll definitely talk to you again here real soon as we get closer to the season 
Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Coming up, more from franchise players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome back to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Desmond Johnson here with you with Hot Rod Thunderbird, Jalen Gilkey in the house. Got to talk about my Panthers here because uh, they keep doing things that um, make me happy. Um, super <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> they lose J.C. Horn uh, to injury. They uh, put him on injury reserve. He, he still elves will come back towards the end of the year. Um, so what do they do? They turn around and trade for C.J. Henderson last week who was a top 10 pick in the 2020 NFL draft. For some reason, Jacksonville didn't even give them more than uh, you know a season to decide if they wanted him or not. And uh, apparently the Panthers had been targeting Henderson in that, tra- in that draft last year anyway. So they trade uh, and get him. Then we find out on Wednesday that the Patriots are going to release Stephon Gilmore, who was the, I think the 2019 defense player of the year uh, in the league uh, and, a, and a pro bowler and a pro bowler. Yep. Yeah, so I'm thinking, wow, maybe the Panthers can pick him up after they cut him. I'm driving around in my car and stuff later that afternoon, probably right around 2 o'clock, I, I get a notification on my phone that uh, that the Panthers have traded for him because they the, Pat, the Pats had until 4 p.m. to find a trade or they're going to have to cut him uh, per league rules. So I had read an article in The Athletic about how this went down, and uh, the Panthers just kept wheeling you know wheeling and dealing and making some moves and some phone calls and eventually they got it down to a 2023 sixth round pick the, they're sending to new england for stefan gilmore now here's the trick to the whole thing uh and what fitterer did so this, this is the last year of gilmore's uh mega deal he signed with new england and panthers are only going to owe him like seven million for the rest of the year if he decides to leave as an unrestricted free agent the panthers will receive a fifth round uh, compensatory pick in the 2023 draft. So basically, Fitterer gave up a six-round pick for Gilmore, who's expressed interest in extending uh, once the season's over in Carolina. He's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. He played at University of South Carolina. He lives in the same neighborhood as Dan Morgan and Scott Fitterer do in Rock Hill. So they've already kind of been talking to him anyway. Uh, if he decides to leave and go someplace else as an unrestricted free agent, the Panthers will get a fifth-round pick in exchange for the six that they lost because they'll get it because they're losing them to free agency. So they're winning both ways. If he stays, they got an older vet pro bowl cornerback in their, in their secondary that can train these young dudes that they've got now. If he leaves then they're going to get a pick higher than what they gave up to get him in the first place. So there's man there. I'm not used to this as a Panther fan. Usually our GMs are hit or miss. They do something that's really cool. And then they do something that's just really stupid. And you're like, what is going on? This dude, Fitterer from Seattle, seems to be hitting on most of the stuff he's doing. And I'm trying to find out. I posted this meme earlier in the week. Buy or sell. The Carolina Panthers have the potential to be the best secondary in the entire NFL. Uh, And I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Because you're talking Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin. uh, uh, I'm forget uh, J.C. Horn when he's back. uh, C.J. Henderson. And now you're adding... Stephon Gilmore uh, to this mix. I forgot AJ Bouye is there as well. He was a pro bowler from Miami. He just hasn't played yet. Um, thoughts on this and what the Panthers are doing with their, their overall roster building here. I'm going to be honest, man. I, I love the move by the Panthers. M- more depth at corner is a, is a thing that all teams need just because we're in such a pass happy league. And then to go get possibly one of the top four, top two, Depending on who you ask, corners in the league, it's just a great fit. Even though it's just a, it might be a one year rental. Even though I don't think it is because of the Carolina ties. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't see where they missed with this move. I mean, a six round pick. I mean, you could have threw that in the ocean. So, it's just unbelievable to see that uh, the depth and the aggression that the Panthers are dealing with, because it's something that I'm sure you and uh, most Panther fans are unfamiliar seeing. So I, I'm glad to see that. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to take them over the top. That, see, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. I'm going to let Rod answer uh, the initial question first, because I am catching a sense of 
people still being tentative to say the Panthers can win now. And it's just because we've been trained to, to think that you can't win now. You have to, you know, it takes time. You got to build it up. You got to beat people, blah, 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 yada, yada. But I always point to the Los Angeles Rams whenever somebody mentions that, you know, it's not time yet. The Rams with Sean McVay, they basically rebuilt that roster in like a year and a half. And then what have they been doing since? They've said, we don't really care about first round draft picks. We'll trade those off, package them up, put them together to get the dudes we want over here. Now, the difference between them and Carolina, Carolina's not trading off first round picks. Uh, they're trading off like lower end, like fifth round, sixth round, seventh round selections to, to fill in their roster. Jackson, I mean, not Jacksonville, uh, the Rams to get Jalen Ramsey, who's in Jacksonville, traded off like multiple first round picks and something else. And now they're going to be on the, the hook to sign him to a long term deal. But they got their due. They got probably. Would you say Ramsey's the top cornerback in the league right now? Yeah. So they got a top cornerback in the league. Aaron Donald's in the front, who is probably the best player in the NFL right now. Um, and then they went out and got their quarterback. They went out and got their quarterback in the offseason. They've been aggressive. So I guess my point is them being aggressive has paid off, and people look at them as if you know they can win the whole thing. I don't catch that vibe with Carolina, even though, like I said before, they're ranked top three in every defensive statistics. Uh, every defensive stat there is. And they're three and one. So I, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Rod, what are your thoughts on what Carolina's doing and Scott new GM Scott Fitter being uh super aggressive? Oh, I love what Carolina's doing, man. And if I'm not wrong, Scott Fitter came from Seattle, right? He did. He was a uh, director of player personnel there and was on the scout team for a little while too. So he kind of helped uh build the Legion of Boom. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. This guy this is not new to this. For him, he's not new to this. He's true to this. He's out there, the Legion of Boom. He built them. Not only did he build the Legion of Boom, but he built everything that was in front of the Legion of Boom, the linebackers, the linemen. So they're doing the exact same thing in Carolina, except they're going the opposite way. You remember how many draft picks were used on defense for Carolina? So now we All have of them. up front. Yeah. Exactly. Nope. Never been 100%. Done before. Never been <laughs> so, done before. The whole exactly. damn draft. <laughs> exactly. So better is he's coming from a defensive standpoint because regardless, when you get to the playoffs, when you get to the Super Bowls, everybody knows it's cold time. And that means the defense has to play well. Defense has to travel. And when it's cold, you've got to be able to run the ball. That's why they're trying to hold on to Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. So Federer knows all this. And then you got David Tepper, the man who's a billionaire who made all his money in the market. These guys who make money in the dot coms and the markets and who are the um, uh, the, what, do you, what do you call the, the hedge fund billionaire? Yeah, guys? He has a, he's a hedge they fund. believe venture capitalists. Yes, venture yeah. capitalists. They believe in taking risks and they will do what it takes to get the job done. And that's what's happening in Carolina right now. I think people are, you know, having a little more hoopla and hooray about the L.A. Rams and what they're doing more so than Carolina, because a lot of people may not be quite sold on Sam Darnold, you know. And then, of course, Carolina, Bingo. Has, Carolina has had some injuries as well. And sometimes when those injuries come in there, it just go in the back of your mind. Wow. Cam Newton had injury. McCaffrey was injured last year. and Now McCaffrey's going out with a hamstring. So they may not be as comfortable by saying yes it's time for Carolina to win. But I believe Carolina has the pieces to win. They have what it takes to win. They're putting the defense in place so that when it's the cold time gets here, you run the ball, you play defense because if the other team can't score, guess what? They can't win. So I love what well, Carolina's doing. Dez, you and the rest of the Carolina fans should be happy. You know what well, I mean? I was going to say, and, and, just, <laughs> no, go say ahead, the rest of the people, they better, they better get ready then because, uh, A, McCaffrey might be playing on Sunday. He's practiced the past two days uh, in limited reps, but he's looked good. Uh, I don't know if they're going to run him, and they might wait till next week, but uh, he might suit up because he wants to go. Um, in terms of Tepper, I've always thought that Tepper did it the right way in terms of clearing out the, the remnants of the previous regime. Like a lot of people come in there – like what a fire hose and just spray everything down and get everything out at once and then bring in their people. And it's kind of jarring uh, to those that are left behind, you know, all these new faces, all these different things. He kind of <clears throat> slowly integrated his people into the business after uh, Richardson was gone. Yes, he, yes. he kept Marty Herney for a year after he bought the team. Actually that draft where they drafted all defense, Marty Herney was still the GM uh, when they did all that. But out of that draft, they got Derek Brown. They got Jeremy Chin. 
Um, so they 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 picked up some dudes that uh, your tur- uh, Mato, gross matos. They picked up guys that are in rotation or starting right now. Um, so with Tepper, he does show this aggressiveness. He comes from the Pittsburgh family. He was a minority owner of the Steelers, so he he. That's why I thought he gave that long deal to uh, to Matt Rule as well. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had, what, like three head coaches in the past 60 years or something crazy like that? Like, they're used to stability. Like, now, I don't know if that's going to be the case <laughs> after this year because Pittsburgh is kind of – they've kind of attached themselves to Ben Roethlisberger, and that might have been the wrong thing to attach themselves to because my man is looking old. Uh, the quarterbacks in his class are already retired. Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers – He's still hanging on for some reason, and I think he's going to drive Pittsburgh to a four and uh, thirteen record or whatever. But um, back to the well, back- no, it, that's not all the way Ben's fault. Part of the reason that Ben is still hanging on is because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's like, <laughs> hey, I'm forty four years old. I can I can play out here, and the rest of you guys can too. And yeah, Ben Roethlisberger yeah. has drank the Kool Aid and think he can stay out there, nah, but Ben can't. Roethlisberger <laughs> has forgotten. During the offseason, Roethlisberger has hamburgers made after his own name. Tom Brady goes and spends three, four hundred thousand dollars making sure his meals and his body is right. That the Ben Big Ben has not done that. So, you know, he wants to keep up with Tom, but he can't. Although Tom is but about five years older than he is. Keep up with the goat. I watched Tom Brady drop a 50-yard dime the other day to Antonio Brown in the air. And I'm like, this dude is 44 years old, still throwing his football like this. I watched another clip of Ben Roethlisberger trying to throw a screen and like <laughs> it's almost like there's an invisible ghost in front of him because like all of a sudden he just trips like there's nothing there. He throws the ball and he just falls down <laughs> and, and the ball goes like maybe three yards like in front of him. He's missing dudes wide and like little slants and stuff. I'm going to just be real. Ben stinks. I've been washed, telling y'all this. I've been, I mean, telling y'all, I've been telling folks this for Three, four years. I was say, it's been a couple years. It's been a slow decline, but this is the year where we're looking at like the very beginning. And I, I think couldn't be happier. Last year, but they started eleven and zero. Remember, remember, Steve started eleven and zero. We were not like, oh. be happier. <laughs> Wait, yeah, looking at be, looking at being Roethlisberger, man, he <laughs> looks like. If y'all ever had pets and you had that dog that you just watched get old and just start going downhill, yep. that's exactly mm-hmm. what Ben Roethlisberger looks yep. like. Having, tr- having trouble using the restroom. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Teeth are out. So can't can't, can't, can't hard hardly hard get up feet. off the what floor when he's what laying say, down. R.I.P. R- R- my girl, Ginger. R.I.P. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I'm hoping. Now, they wouldn't bench Ben Roethlisberger, though. That's the problem. They should. Who, they can't. Who? who do they have? <laughs> <You> got, <laughs> I, let, I let Haskins go. We might as well. Uh, I mm. That's what are we gonna do? Team. What are we? I mean, that's what are we doing team. here? We're I mean, gonna they better go get. We're gonna let Ben get it. We're gonna let Ben get Cam his Newton brains. Be, I don't know. If, I don't know if Cam would be much better than Dwayne Haskins, or he'd be uh, better than Ben Roethlisberger. Rural. I guarantee you that. I'm willing to bet <laughs> dollars of donuts that he'd be better than Ben Roethlisberger because he still Cam has mobility. He's still talented. I mean, the only thing Ben Roethlisberger can do is, like you said, is trip over his own feet because now he has a hip injury. It's he sad. has a pectoral injury. I mean, what is he going to do? He took a pay cut to come back. He took a pay cut. To be he here barely to took a cut. He went from $18 million to $15 million. That ain't no, that ain't no pay cut, baby. Yeah, I'll throw a couple million back to y'all. Please let me come back and play. Please, please. Meanwhile, Cam Newton's still out here making YouTube videos and stuff. I don't think anybody's picking up Cam. It's week, what, week six? It's over. I told y'all boys last yeah, week. It's over. Fun. Same thing happened to uh, Robert Giffen the third. Like it's over before you know it's over, and then it's just over. And then you like look around with somebody behind you. Robert knew it was over. (laughs) They moved on, and Robert Griffin the third. You know what? Have you seen uh, him on TV yet? Like calling a game or being a first take or something? He does. He does good on with the games. Do you you like him? Because I I, I think he does a good job on the analysis stuff. Like on first take, he comes off as mad arrogant. Like I mean, he did win the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people won the Heisman Trophy. They don't come on. A lot of people won the Heisman Trophy. Well, more people than him, and more better. It, ain't, it ain't. It ain't people. It ain't people on TV that won the Heisman Trophy except for Desmond Howard. <laughs> but I mean, he, he comes off like the one time I saw him, it was him and Jeff Saturday on Get Up, and he was just going in on Jeff Saturday. It was some random point that they were talking about, and he just would not let it go. And then I saw him again. I think he was in the booth calling a game this past weekend. Um, I can't remember the game now, but I, I was like, oh, Robert Griffin III's in the booth. So I listened a little bit to him. He's got a little bit of work to do, but he sounds like a dude that thinks in his mind he's not done playing and that what he's doing right now is just until he starts playing again. 
Nah, he ripped but, his hamstring last year. He knows he's done. Yeah, he done. He, he, he done. He done. And I don't know if I don't know if Cam realizes he's done too. Like that's it's pretty much a wrap. But I, honestly, I, and I said this before, I I hope he does retire, Cam Newton. I don't want him out there looking all Ben Roethlisberger like, where he can't throw the ball three yards and just looks washed because he was starting to trend that way anyway. Um, I don't want that to erase the good memories of what I remember of Cam. Cam's probably one of my favorite NFL players of all time. But if he comes back and just starts stinking up the place, that's going to taint that, and I don't want that to happen. Um, other stuff from around the league real quick before we get out of here. Well, maybe the uh, Pittsburgh we, Steelers can pull some strings, Dez, and, and somehow get Deshaun Watson out of trouble and then bring him on up to Pittsburgh. Oof, I don't think but they see, would. The only, you know what's crazy, fellas? <laughs> I, I think the reason there hasn't been a trade, anyone hasn't pulled the trigger on that, because I feel like once – the trade is made. He's going straight to the commissioner's exempt list, and every team's going to be like, well, we just wasted a whole whatever. Oh, yeah. We just gave it away. For like a year or whatever it might be. Because those cases don't go to court till like March or something. Like after right. the so, Yeah, that's why I say the strings need to be pulled first and then get him. Before we, before we get out of here, though, we got to talk about them boys. We ain't talked about them boys yet. We got a Cowboy fan on the panel. Y'all beat my Panthers last Sunday. Looked really good doing it, I might add. Uh what are your thoughts? Because you're always pretty skeptical about Dallas and what they're going to do as long as Jerry Jones is still alive. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far from your team, Ron? Yeah, I mean, there's so far, I'm, it's cool what I've seen. And, and uh, you know, the problem in the past has it, it has been that Jerry Jones has always gotten in the way of the coaches. You know, either number one, they've not had a backbone, the coaches haven't, or they don't know how to work properly with Jerry Jones. And really, to be honest with you, Jerry Jones just got in the way this week. If you want to, if you want to know the truth, oh no, he just got in the way this week. Well, I listen, I had coach right McCarthy come out. He names my man Jalen Smith captain. Names Jalen yeah. Smith captain before after the game. Jalen Smith breaking them down the whole now. Tuesday, Jerry Jones brings Jalen Smith into the daggone office and says, "I got to release you." McCarthy knew nothing about it because if he knew he was getting released, why you make the man captain? So why did he get released? Jerry Jones is oh, in the way. Why did they? Why, did, why were they not wanting to use him anymore? I don't understand. Was well, he not playing up to his contract? Or well, no, I think he was just kind of the last of our linebackers. You know what I'm saying? Our, our linebacking. Court. How is Vander Esch still on the team? Yeah, I'd rather have Jalen Smith than Vander Esch, but I think they're also looking at the fact of the games that. Um, uh, Smith missed last year or the year, yeah, last year, as well as when he got out in the, on the field last year. If you watch some old film of Smith last year, Smith was running around like he had no idea what formation he was supposed to be in, what play he was doing. He looked about a step and a half slow. And I'm serious because I but remember y'all, y'all was in, remember, because y'all last year, didn't y'all go from a 4 3 to a 3 4 last year? And now y'all are back at the 4 3. So, I mean, everybody was out of position, correct? If I'm there, there, I'm there wait, there is a picture no. going around on the internet of uh, of Smith, and it's a, it's like a meme. It's like, uh, this is why he's no longer a Dallas Cowboy. And it's like, He's trying to defend a pass, but he's he's like jumping in the air like he's going after the ball. But the, the dude that's catching the ball is literally like 10 yards away from him. Yeah, like, he was see the yeah, picture. Jalen like, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen Smith was terrible in, in pass probe last year when it was time to drop back. I mean, he really was. I remember watching the defense and I'd be like, what the heck are my linebackers? Who's supposed to be covering the back coming out the backfield? And you would see Jalen Smith about seven yards from his cover, man, who mm. he was supposed to be covering one-on-one, maybe on the wheel route, man. I mean, like, and, like almost out the frame. Like, yeah, yeah. You would see Jay, and you'd just be like, Jalen, get it together. What's going on with you? I know Dak is down, but you can still play defense because you don't play offense. I remember saying that a lot last year, but I didn't ever think that Jalen would get you know, cut this year because Jalen has been through a lot and I commend him. I think he was out at the yeah. Fiesta Bowl when he was yeah. at Notre Dame. Yeah. His knee was shredded. Yeah. All the, all, it was shredded so bad. He had nerve damage in yeah. his knee. So, I mean, a lot of people thought that his career was done. They were like, this is why players take off from these bowl games and don't mm-hmm. play them. That was the beginning. Right just there. like yeah. this. Yeah. That was the beginning. Yeah. His, it was him and his injury, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so he had to sit out a whole year. The Cowboys, Jerry Jones, still took a chance on him. And don't get me wrong, he got paid. But for this year, for whatever reason, I'll be honest with you, 
I think maybe Dan Quinn had a little something to do with it. I can't be sure, uh, uh, but I think maybe Dan Quinn may I have mean, had something. But to I mean, do Dan Quinn got them. They got that defense playing really, really good. He got them uh, balling, man. They were, they were harassing Sam Darnold all day on Sunday last week, and uh, I, I mean, I'm looking at the division. I don't know why everybody was so high on the red. Or, well, the Washington football team uh, in the offseason. I was like, oh, they got a defense. They got blah, blah, blah. They're going to win the, the, the division. I was like, I never thought that the Washington football team was going to win the NFC East. I'm like, this is Washington. <laughs> They're not going to win this division. And then I'm looking at the rest of it. The Giants are the Giants. They're one and three. Philadelphia, I like Jalen Hurts, but I don't know if he can be a franchise quarterback, somebody you can like build a team around in the NFL. So, I mean, it's just the whole division is for Dallas's taking. I think Dallas is going to run away with the NFC East as I'm sitting here looking at it. If they're going to play like they played the past two weeks where the offense has nice balance and rhythm, uh, Zeke is eating. Like, Zeke is running like Ohio State Zeke. Like, I ain't seen that since. Uh, I told y'all. Well, that's because Pollard is on his tail. That's right. He's got some competition. So now he got the run. He ain't ran like that since he, lo- he had that little. He ain't got a run. He got 90, ro- he got 90 million. He ain't got to run no more. Yeah, but that contract bought up. He needed up. Yeah, he's on that contract like three years ago. Yeah, right? and it was only like a four-year deal. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah that, that money's spent. He got all that guaranteed money already. So he looking for and Zeke's only what like 26, 27, yeah. something like that. So I mean, he but might listen, have but I'm gonna tell you the big thing about the Cowboys that I'm really excited about, as well as we're playing and as well as we're doing. Let's not forget that Dallas is playing well without Michael Gallup, yep. Lyle Collins, our offensive lineman, and there's no Demarcus Lawrence, who's probably our best pass rusher, who yep. hadn't played yet. That's what I'm excited about. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm like, whoa, what happens if they come back and are playing 150 percent? It's you about know what time. I mean? It's about time. Dallas has been sending all his talent for like four years. And I don't think even it's because of Mike McCarthy. I think they're winning in spite of Mike McCarthy, to be honest. Uh but that made me feel better about that game that Carolina lost to them on Sunday because I actually stepped out of the room for a bit in the third quarter. And when I came back, I realized that Darnold had, you know, put up two quick touchdowns. I was like, oh, I thought this game was over. I'm used to thinking that as a Panther fan, you know, once that game was getting out of hand in the third quarter, Dallas just exploded like, like 20 points unanswered or something nuts. I leave for a little bit. I come back in and the Panthers are only down eight points and they're trying to drive to see if they can, uh, you know, tie the game or what? I'm like, what in the world's going on? And it, it felt like Dallas was in control of that game the entire afternoon until the last like eight nine minutes of that game in the fourth quarter. So that gave me newfound hope in the Panthers too that they they didn't quit. Uh, you know, a lot of times a Ron Rivera team would have just packed it up, got on the bus, and just like, well, let's wait till next week. But that team that I saw on Sunday kept going. So we're gonna see because we're we're getting to the quarter point here of the NFL season. We'll see what happens with everything, but uh, we got to get out of here and take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.